Very good. As you can see, we are kicking off our spring semester small groups. And uh, we're very passionate about small groups here at the Bridge Church because we go from a large crowd to a circle. And that's really where we get to experience discipleship. We get to experience uh, life on life. Uh, we're so passionate about it. Before we even started Sunday morning services, we had small groups running uh, because we just believe that there's so much power in them. They're the backbone of our church, and uh, that's where we really experience uh, to get into the nitty-gritty, so to speak, of our lives. And uh, we would encourage you, uh, in your seats, in every seat, there's a little pamphlet, and it has all of our small groups that are running. Uh, and you can find one in there that maybe fits best for you and your schedule, whatever it may look like. We even have the studies that they're doing in there. We have a foundations class that runs for about four weeks. And uh, it helps get the foundations of the faith. Uh, we have different small groups that are doing different studies that you can see there on the pamphlet. And so we would just encourage you to do that as well. We even see that even in Scripture, right? We see where Jesus taught the 5,000. He taught Sermon on the Mount, but then he had his disciples, right, that just kept funneling down the 72 and the 12 and the 3. And, and so we just saw that just the relationships get more and more intentional as we get smaller just like that. And so we'd encourage everybody to jump into a small group. Um, like I said, we believe in it. We believe God's going to do some special things in it as well. So, uh, but before we do that, I just want to take a moment because last week, Justin McKinney came and preached and just brought the house down, didn't he? Just did an incredible job. And that's right, yep. And then uh, we also celebrated our anniversary. And in our anniversary, uh, we always like to reflect on what God has done, but also lean forward into the future because our anniversary falls in January and we have the year ahead of us. And so I just wanted to share a couple of things that are on our heart that we want to do here in 2024 just to continue to lean into. So you guys okay with that before I jump into the message? But the first one is, is as we talked about small groups, our small groups, uh, we've seen just this past year some supernatural growth in our church in general. God's just uh, been moving in a really great way. And with that, we're also seeing people move into small groups. And so most of our small groups are, are getting pretty full. And so we're doing some intentional things like small group leader trainings. And uh, we are praying and just uh, leaning into people who are already in groups and raising up new small group leaders as well. Uh, because uh, I remember as a few years ago, we were sitting in our Discover class that we have for people just to experience more about our church. And uh, there was an uh, older gentleman who was in the group, and he kind of looked at me at the end, and he said, he called me like preacher or pastor or something. He's like, preacher, you know, how, how big do you want your church to get? And, um, and then so I just kind of leaned in, and I said, you know, we don't really have a number of how big we want our church to get. We want to be effective with every single person that God sends us. We want to be a good steward. And so for us, that's what small groups do. It allows us to be more effective, to steward who God has sent us. And uh, we want to continue to raise people up. And so we're praying. Uh, I really believe, I just know the people that are in our groups. I, I think that we could double our groups here in 2024. I think that we could see, we have about 12 groups that are rolling right now. And I, I see that we can double that over this year, just raising up and seeing new leaders that are coming about. Some of you may be sitting in here in this room, kind of feeling nudge of the Holy Spirit, like, hey, that could be you. That could be you. And so as we lean into that. Also, one of the things that God has really just impressed on my heart, one of our core values is to develop strong and healthy families. And so something we're going to lean a little bit more into is uh, marriage ministry. We have some things that we're going to roll out here in 2024 that we've been thinking and praying and planning about uh, this past year that we want to go ahead and put some legs to 
in 2024. So we're going to lean into that a little bit as well. Uh, also, uh, if you, we're going to continue to serve. We, we always love being outside of these walls and serving the community. But one of the things we want to do is find a, a few serving events where we can grow some roots. We can grow some of those relationships. And so it's just not a, maybe we're going to serve here for a second, drop in and serve here, drop in and serve here, where we can find a couple of avenues of going, this is our avenue. This is where we're going to keep leaning into in the, into the community. Uh, and then another thing is, um, we love being a portable church. There's nothing wrong with it. My kids love it. We show up super early. My kids don't think church is from 9 to 10 or 10.30 to 11.30. They think it's from 7 a.m. to like 1 p.m., right? Just because we're here most of the time and uh, we just build really great relationships. Uh, but we're also praying that uh, God will, will be able to move into a building one day. But we have a unique vision for a building. Uh, we really believe that God's called us to add value where we are. And so we want not just a building for Sunday morning worship services or small groups in the evening, which we want to use it for that, but we really want it to be a bridge community center. We want it to be for the community, and we want that thing to be full during the day on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We want people getting saved on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, because the community is able to utilize that building as well. And so some have, having some unique things in that, and then our church will meet in the Bridge Community Center. But as you know, as you drive around Bluffton, there's not a lot of big vacant buildings that are sitting up. And then in 2020, I mean, real estate just like double, tripled overnight, right? So it's like, you know, 600,000. Now it's like 3 million or something or more for the, the size building that we would need. And as we look at that, but I'm not discouraged by that. I, God knew that this was happening. He knew that this was going to happen in this area and he still sent us here in this time for such a time as this. And so what we're going to do is just like our shirts say in the back, if you don't have a shirt, we'd love for you to get one. Our shirts say we're going to walk by faith, right? Just because the reality of it is not there. God's still giving us the conviction of it. We're going to keep taking those steps of faith. And uh, I tell people all the time, I've already seen too much. I know God is faithful. And we're, so we're just going to keep taking those steps of faith. And one of the things that we want to do this year um, is we've already talked to a lot of uh, financial advisors and they say you have enough people coming and tithing uh, for us to give you some kind of loan or whatever that may aspect may look like, but you need to have more cash reserve you know, on, on file as well. And so what that tells us is, is we want to get ready. So we want to move into like a get ready campaign so that if we find a piece of land that God opens up or find something that is that we want to be ready to be able to move on that when the time comes. And so uh, it's not the end result, but it's another faith step, if that makes sense. And so we're going to lean into that as well uh, at, at some point in the year. Uh, but so we just wanted to invite you to begin praying about that. We know that God has brought each and every person here for a reason and on purpose. And uh, it's been just a joy of mine to walk with you each and every day, each and every week. And uh, I can't wait to see what God's going to do in 2024. Amen? Amen. So uh, just keep leaning into that. We're going to bring up more of that. And you're going to hear more of those things come about uh, as the weeks come and as the months come as well. So today we're wrapping up our series just the beginning, just the beginning. And this series has been evangelistic in nature. And so we've been looking at what does God feel about the or how does God feel about the lost, right? And what does that look like? How has God called us to share the gospel? And what should our heart be towards the lost as well? And then today we really uh, wanted to end this with there is one 
major key piece to salvation. And Jesus makes this abundantly clear all throughout Scripture. It's almost like Jesus is looking at us going, hey, you can't miss this, right? This is the thing. This is the piece that everything else cascades off of. And you can't miss this piece of salvation of what this looks like. And so we're going to be in John chapter 14. John chapter 14 today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to read through it verses 1 through 6 together. But I just want to pray for us, ask God to speak to our hearts here this morning, and then we're going to dive right in. So let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you so much for your word, your truth. Thank you so much for your power. God, thank you for today, because we know that today is a gift. And God, I just pray that we can just take these, uh, the burdens that maybe we're trying to carry, and we can place those at your feet here this morning. God, I pray that you would breathe life into us. God, we can't do this without you, and we don't want to do it without you. I pray that I may decrease so that you may increase, that the Holy Spirit may move in this place, God, and do what only the Holy Spirit can do, and that is change hearts. God, I pray that you'll speak to us today. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. So I, I don't know about you. I, I think it's, I thought it was because of this area, but I think it's because I'm getting older. Um, and I began to uh, become this person who loves Sam's Club. Anybody else in the house like, uh, you know, just love Sam's Club. I mean, there's just something about Sam's. I know there's some people in here that are more like Costco people. Any Costco people in the house? I, I didn't have a Costco, but if you ever talk to somebody who loves Costco, they're like, this is the greatest place I've ever been to in my life, right? And you think about Sam's, like, where else can you go get like a $5 rotisserie chicken, a nice polo shirt, you know, and then like 40,000 uh, dish detergent little pots, right? Like you get all of that together um, for those pieces. But when you walk into... Uh, Sam's, I kind of get a little nervous, you know, because I don't know if you've experienced this. When you walk into Sam's Club, uh, there's a lot of times somebody's standing right there at the door and they want to see your membership card. Like, hey, let me see your card. Let me see your like, You can't get in. Members only, right? And uh, so you kind of feel the pressure. Like, do I remember my card? Do I not remember my card? And you walk in and experience that. And I'm always in my mind, I kind of argue with them a little bit. And I'm like, I, you got, I got to use it at the register. Why are you checking it at the door, right? But I guess they're just saving some time. Anyway, um, as we think about that, and I, I think about Sam's Club, and I think about the whole membership idea. And I think sometimes uh, for us, we look at our relationship with God. And maybe it's kind of like that membership deal where we look and like if you go to Sam's Club or Costco and we begin to look at the breakdown of going, okay, if I'm going to be a Christian, how do I become a Christian? How do I become a member? Okay, what is it going to cost me? What is this going to look like? Right. And then not only that, uh, what are the rewards? You know, like, what am I going to get? You know, what's going to be my payback? What's going to be my kickback if I get into this membership, get into uh, this way of life, this uh, Christian way of life? And it's almost like God becomes more of like a, uh, almost like a bouncer slash like you can get in, you can't. Nope, not good enough. Yep, you got enough going here. Look at what I can give you. And sometimes we can even maybe even feel like, God is like a salesman. Wait, there's more. Wait, you know, like all of these different pieces. And uh, when we begin to look at it, and when we read Scripture, and especially when we look at the life of Jesus, I think He gives us a little different picture, right? He gives us a picture of who God is. And then Jesus does this. 
Uh, I believe that the statement that Jesus makes here in John chapter 14 is so bold, so clear, where Jesus goes, this is the hard line in the sand, right? Like, this is for everybody. We can't miss this. Everything, like, this is it. We have to get this. And it's almost like Jesus kind of moves forward a little closer in the conversation, and you feel the tension in the room, but yet we're going to see what, what Jesus is talking about here as he creates this clarity for you and I. So in John chapter 14, to really understand the full extent of this conversation, in John chapter 13, and in fact, all the way through the gospel, we see that Jesus is teaching his disciples that he's going to go to the cross, that he's not going to be here forever, that he's going to go down the cross and he's going to go back to heaven. But I don't know if you've ever experienced this where you are saying something to someone, but they're not really listening or they're not really hearing it. Or maybe you've done that before. You're like, ah, I just don't want to hear that. I don't, I don't really know that, right? And so Jesus has been telling them all of this. Well, in John chapter 13, he is very clear about it. He's going, look, I'm not going to be with you much longer. And in fact, the time is drawing near where I'm going to go away. And the disciples, they, they just get dishuffled and they're not sure what to do. And Jesus can sense this. And so in John chapter 14, he begins to reassure them, but also teach them a little bit. So in John chapter 14, everybody still doing okay? He starts here in verse 1. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Jesus is, he's teaching here in the first part. I, I love the heart of Jesus with his disciples because they're, they're dishuffled going, Jesus, where are you going? You can't leave us. Maybe you've left a loved one before or moved to a new city or moved to a new place. A lot of people uh, from Bluffton here, I've met, have moved from another place. And leaving that place, leaving relationships, it's hard, right? We feel the emotion of it. And so we feel the emotion of the disciples. They're looking to Jesus going, this is, this is our closest friend. We believe that he is God. We watched Jesus do these mind-blowing miracles that we can't even fathom, right? Like we touched the person that was healed and all of this, right? And they're seeing that and they have a close relationship with Jesus. And then he says, but I'm about to leave. And they go, whoa, you can't leave. And then he reassures them. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. He's like, don't be troubled. Where I'm going, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm getting a place ready for you. How encouraging is it for you and I to know that Jesus is preparing a place for you and I as believers in Christ, right? Like this is not our home. He's saying, in fact, I'm preparing a place for you. Like I know that you're going to be there so much. So I love you so much and I'm preparing this place for you. And I love it. If you remember, grew up kind of in church in my father's house there. Anyway, um, he begins to say, I, I'm preparing for each and every one of you who believe in me. And then he says, he begins to make some bold claims. He says, I will come again and take you to myself, right? He's saying, I'm going back there and I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to come back 
and I'm going to bring you back there to myself. He shows us there that Jesus is coming back one day. And then he says, you're going to be there with me also. But then he says, you know the way to where I am going. He's pretty direct there. He's like, I've told you guys over and over again over the last few years, you know the way that where I'm going. And then I love Thomas. Can I just say I love Thomas, right? Like he makes the statement, you know where we're going. And everybody's like, we do. (laughs) We know the way. And Thomas is like, well, I'm going to ask, right? Like Thomas is that, that personality, that student in the class, and I love it. And he's like, um, Jesus, we don't know the way. Like, what do you, like wh- how do we know the way? Well, where do you, like all of these different pieces, that encourages me as a follower of Jesus, right? Because sometimes I'm reading in Scripture going, ooh, well, let me write that down, right? Like, what's that there? And, and begin to discover that. But Tom, this is what Thomas does. He doesn't allow the question in his mind and in his heart to pull him away from God. He brings it to God. We even see that in Job. Job begins to get angry and questions and all of these things. But what Job does right is he brings it to God. God says, cast all of your cares and anxieties on to me. And he brings those to God. And so Thomas begins to ask the question. And then Jesus right here makes one of the most bold statements that he makes all throughout Scripture. He puts a hard line in the sand and he says, you, my my followers, you cannot miss this point right here. And he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And then he takes another step forward towards us and goes, no one can come to the Father except through me. And then he takes, I'm about to step off stage. He takes another step closer. And he says, in fact, if you have seen, if you want to see God, you have seen him because you're looking at God, right? Jesus makes the declaration, I am God. I've been showing you this over and over again. And I'm showing you that I am God. So I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And in fact, no one can get to heaven. No one can get to God except through me. I mean, he, that's a hard line in the sand, right? Like that's something that you and I have to pay attention to. He's saying you can't even get on the same page in the same room. Like you can't get to God unless we get to this point right here. And he says, I want you to understand this and get this extreme clarity. And then we see, I want to give us today, I want to encourage you to take notes because uh, like I said, this is a pretty big deal, right? Like this is something we can't miss. We have to grapple with. We have to hold on to. And in fact, this is why Jesus came. To show us this truth. To show us the way. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's four major things. There's a lot of other uh, things, but there's four major things that we can hold on to give us some handles to of why this is true why is this true and i want to encourage you the reason why i say take notes is because we need this reality for ourselves right for our own relationship with god but we want this series to be uh, to empower us to be able to share with those who are around us right when somebody looks at us and goes why do you think that jesus is the only way right like why are you right why is this true right and we're able to give a declaration of going oh well, can I just tell you this right here? And so four pieces. The first one is, is that we've already hit on a little bit. Jesus is the only way because Jesus is God in the flesh. He says, if you want to see God, you have seen him because you have seen me. If you want to know what God looks like, talks like, uh, the way that he treats people, the way that he interacts with people, who would, who would God hang out with if he was here right now, right? All of these pieces 
Jesus says, look to me because I am the visible picture of the invisible God. And we know that because Jesus proves that to us over and over again. We see the prophecies in the Old Testament that he would come and that Jesus left a perfect place in heaven and came down to earth to us. And the second thing is, is Jesus is the only way because he lived a perfect and sinless life. We see this in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 is where it's extremely clear. It says we do not have a high priest that we cannot relate to. In fact, we have a high priest who has been tempted in every way, yet he did not sin. That he lived this perfect life because he was God. And that's important, right? Because we, if he is God, that means he is holy. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He is God in the flesh and he lived this perfect and sinless life. And then the third thing is, everybody still good? Jesus is the only way because he paid the penalty for our sins by his death. We see this in Romans 5, 8. And honestly, we see it in a whole lot of other places, but it's very clear in Romans 5, chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 8. And we see this uh, begin to play out that he's the only way because he is perfect. And then you and I, when we look at the law, when we look at the Old Testament, we look at the Ten Commandments or we look at the uh, kind of the next step up in the Sermon on the Mount and we look at Scripture and how Jesus taught, it, it's to serve as a mirror for you and I to look at our lives and go, Whew, I can't live up to that. I fall short there, I fall short there, I fall short there. And we see um, all these different verses all throughout Scripture where Jesus challenges us and he says, in fact, uh, I don't want you to uh, murder anyone, but he's like, I, I don't want you to even have hatred in your heart towards another person, right? Like he ups the ante a little bit. He says, yeah, I don't want you to murder. That's in the Ten Commandments. But in fact, I'm more after your heart. And when we read that, it serves as like a mirror and you're going, oh, I missed there. Oh, I fell short there. Oh, I fell, I sh fell short there. And when you see sin in the Bible, that's what sin means, is that I missed the mark, that I fell short. And because of that, the penalty is death. That's why we see in the Old Testament where the uh, priest would have to bring animal year after year to atone for the sins of man. And then Jesus comes as the perfect Lamb of God because only a perfect person could pay the penalty for your sin and my sin, past, present, and future, and for all of humanity, right? He took all of the sins on the world. The wrath of God fell on Jesus on the cross, and he paid my penalty, right? Because I sin, because I fall short, I deserve death. And I'm, I'm separated from God forever. But Jesus said, hey, I, I love you so much, I'm going to take your place. Oftentimes we've said, you know, if you could find a perfect person, we can't outside of Jesus. But just, you know, for sake, uh, if you found a perfect person, then you have to convince them to take your place on the cross. Right. But Jesus is not only a perfect person, but yet he willingly left heaven to take our place on the cross for those who will place their faith in him. And then the fourth thing is, is that Jesus is the only way because he rose from the dead to give us victory over sin and death. When Jesus rose again on the third day, he proved that he is who he said he was. Because he predicted this. Prophecies predict this over and over again. And then we see all throughout scripture, over 500 witnesses can attest to his resurrection. Not only that, you can even see historical outside of uh, biblical documents of the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, that there was a three hour darkness and that other people saw him after his death. 
right? It's fascinating to see all of this begin to play out, but all of this hinges on Jesus and everything cascades down from this because of those big four truths about who Jesus is because everything rests on that. And we have to wrestle with this tension. Every single person, right? Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am, right? Because each one of us have to answer that question. Who do you say that I am? And we have to believe because we can't look at Jesus. We have to look to Jesus and we either have to say he's lying, right? Or maybe he's crazy. You know, some people say lunatic because he wasn't speaking correctly. Or is he Lord and Savior? Because you can't mince words. Jesus was abundantly, extremely clear over who he was and what he came for and what he came to do, right? So he has to be one of those things. And that's why Jesus leans in and looks at his disciples and goes, well, who do you say that I am? And it's that moment. We have to have this. Jesus is saying this is abundantly clear that you and I have to wrestle with this and understand that we cannot get to God outside of this truth here. We, uh, the, the early disciples believed this, understood this, because we see in Acts chapter 4 where Peter is preaching and in verse 11 he says, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Right? It's just he, this utmost clarity of going, it's Jesus. He's the one that saves us. He's the one that makes the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And we see this begin to happen. And I think that this message is abundantly clear for you and I as Christians to surrender our lives to, but also uh, in the culture that you and I are living in. Uh, because uh, we're uh, seeing our culture move into what they've labeled as a postmodern society. Uh, in fact, we're a little bit behind Canada and Europe They've already moved that way, Australia, a good bit, and we're, America's kind of uh, tailing behind that. And what happens in a postmodern society is that it moves more individualistic. And so uh, the revelation and truth comes down to the individual. And absolute truth begins to erode. And so it's the rejection of the idea of absolute truth for every single person, and it's the more accepting of uh, your truth is your truth. You'll hear terms like that, like your truth is your truth or love wins, right? Like it's just this umbrella or this covering of as long as you have this uh, motion, uh, then all roads, so to speak, lead to God is one of the things that we may hear in a postmodern society. And as our world gets closer to that, you and I need to be equipped to go, hey, let's look at this. And, and I think if you and I were to sit down and have a conversation and begin to logically think out of individualistic, your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth. I think we would find a lot of issues with that if we were able to talk it out, right? Because I'm sure you've met someone where you're like, I don't think that's, that, that's not right, <laughs> right? Like, like, I don't want that to be the truth for society. Like, I, and honestly, I don't want Daniel Casanave to be the one who determines what truth is for me and for my family because there are some days where this mind, that sinful flesh, pulls me away. Amen? Like all of these pieces, like I need somebody that's bigger, smarter, who sees, uh, sees so much more of the world than I do, who loves more than I love, right? 
And God is trying to give us this picture of going, we need to understand that God created us and he creates these moments for us because in a postmodern society, we see some of these arguments or myths, so to speak, that all religions, that one maybe where all religions lead to God. And most of the time, um, somebody who uh, states that or maybe believes that is not a part of one particular religion because I can't find a religion that states this. If you, you know, if you fall into Islam, then Islam is the right way. If you fall into Christianity, then Christianity is the right way. Buddhist, then Buddhist is the right way. Hinduism, Hinduism is the right way. Uh, Jewish, right, Judaism, like, then that's the right way. All of these different avenues, if you're in that particular religion, then that is the only way. If that makes sense, right? And, and so if we use the argument of that all roads lead, then that's somebody who's kind of standing on the outside, of all the religions going, well, maybe all roads will lead that way. And we see that in Jesus, and the reason why Jesus can make the claim that no one comes to the Father except through me, that's why it's the only way, it's because of the four things that we talked about. Because he is God, and he has proven it over and over again. He is the perfect sinless life who took your penalty, took my penalty, and no one else can do that. No one else can provide that need and stand in the gap between you and I. And in fact, all, most all other religions you'll see are man working themselves up to God. And in fact, if you look at the, uh, um, just one example, if you look at the uh, Buddhist religion, and they have a story that's very similar to the prodigal son that we talked about a couple weeks ago. And, and uh, we read in the Bible where the prodigal son comes back and he receives grace because of his repentance uh, with God. And he is accepted back into the family, right? And it's because of the grace of God that he's reconnected back with God. But when you look at the Buddhist uh, story of this, the prodigal son has to work 25 years to pay off his debt. It's this work to try to get ourselves up to God. And Christianity is that God came down to us and made a way for us. While we were enemies of God, God loved us and he is the one that initiated. He is the one that came to us and we see this picture. Another uh, myth or uh, argument, so to speak, from this is that, oh, you're one of those Christians. That's closed-minded. You only believe there's one way, really, like just close-minded in this. And I was reminded of uh, this story uh, from a pastor friend of mine. And uh, I fly a few times a year, either for a mission trip or whatever it may be. And uh, one of the reasons we fly is to go to Honduras. And uh, usually we fly out of either Savannah, most of the time out of Atlanta. I don't know if you've ever been to Atlanta Airport. Um, it's a little crazy. There's a lot going on right there, right? Uh, they got, you know, one time I went to the domestic terminal instead of the international, and it's like a whole nother airport that you got to go to. And so you walk in, and there's, I mean, there's hundreds of terminals, right? There's so much going on there. But me, I'm like, you know, I'll ask any TSA agent, right? Like, or I'll download the app or try to navigate around because time is sensitive. I got to catch my flight. I got to get there on time. And maybe you're like a, you know, maybe anybody like, I got to be there five hours early. I got to get a ticket to nap. I got to get my food in, get my call. Yeah. So um, as you think about that, I walk in and I walk up to the TSA agent. I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm looking for my flight to Honduras. Can you tell me how to get to my flight, can you tell me which way to go? And what if he were to look at me and go, you know what, look, you see this, any, any flight, any terminal on this wing, I want you to go ahead and jump on it. Any flight on this terminal, go ahead. In the moment, I'm like, sweet. 
this releases all the tension. This is nice, right? Like, look at all these choices. Let me go, this one's not as full. This one's kind of full. I'm going to jump on this one. I like this one. Here we go, right? Like, this one looks good. These people look, you know, not as crazy. I'm going to go jump on this one. And I eat my peanuts, and I'm sipping on my Diet Coke. I'm like, oof. This is so nice, this plane, look at this. And we land, and I get off, and all of a sudden, I just feel the snow, and it's like negative two degrees, and I'm in Switzerland. Right? You know how mad I would be? Because I got on my dry fish pants, because I'm supposed to be in Honduras, and all of these different people. I would be so furious. Could you imagine if my life was on the line, and I had to get there, and somebody said, just pick any terminal you want, right? And I get there, and I'm in the complete. You know how mad I would be? I would call every TSA agent. I would send about 100 emails. I would show up there in person. Let me talk to the manager, the higher-up person. I can't, but I would be so mad. And I would say it was borderline illegal, right? Like, you just sent me to Switzerland. I'm supposed to go in the opposite direction. Like, how, like, all right? But if he looks at me, what I want the TSA agent to do, he can go, look. This is exactly where you need to go. Look, you need to be at this gate. Don't be any later than this time, right? Like, and let me tell you, look, you need to look at, here's all the info you need to know. Here's your seat number. When you get onto the seat, I want you to make sure your luggage goes here because this is how you're going to experience the ride the best. If you will trust me, I know exactly what you need to do, right? And for me, I will go, oh my, I will give you a big hug and a kiss. Thank you so much. And I get there and I know, and I'm there at the terminal. I get my flight up there and I just sit in the flight and I have, this peace while I'm on the flight. Because I see, oh, Honduras, oh, flight on time, here we go. I'm there, and I land in Honduras. I'm on, I'm like, yes, thank you so, right? And I had this peace, this whole ride. And I, that's what Jesus is doing for you and I. He said, this is too important. Your eternity is hanging in the balance. I don't want you to have to figure out this, 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 and this, and this is confusing. How is this? He's going, no, I need you to be crystal clear. This is exactly what you need to do. This is exactly who you need to believe in. I don't want you guessing, second guessing. No, it is me. I am the only way, the truth, and the life. And if you will place your faith in me, I will get you there. And when you and I show up, to the pearly gates. I don't have to give them my name. I'm like, my name is David Kazay, but I'm here because Jesus said that I could be here. I'm here under the authority of Jesus, right? Because he is the one. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus makes this claim because he wants you and I to have this utmost clarity, not only clarity for clarity's sake, but he is the only way because it's the only way it could happen. Because we, everything that we just talked about, those four ways for you and I to understand. And sometimes religion, I feel like, can feel like reaching into this box and pulling out this wad of cords. You ever, I think we all have one of those at our house, right? You pull out this wad of cords and it's just this one big ball of mess. And what Jesus did is pull it out and he said, let me just unwind this for you. This is what you need. I am the way, the truth in the life. This is all you need. I'm the author and the perfecter of your faith. If you will trust in me, I will get you there. 
If you will trust in me, I will make you, right? If you will trust in me, I will, the Holy Spirit will dwell in you and begin to change you and mold you and shape you into my image. And we begin to see this. And the, the, the answer is Jesus. Everything cascades down from there. This last quick little story in the Bible, and I'm going to close, is if you notice when Jesus was with his disciples, and he sends them out. I love that. It's kind of fascinating to think about that Jesus sent them into a storm. And so Jesus is on the boat with them and the storm begins to hit. And these professional fishermen, they've been doing it. They're some of them second, third generation fishermen. They know how to handle themselves on the boat, right? So they're on the boat and they start freaking out. Like this storm is coming. We're going to die. What's going to happen? Jesus, why did you send us out on the boat? You're supposed to be all knowing. You're supposed to be sovereign. You're supposed to be God. Why did you send us out here? And guess what Jesus is doing? Sleep taking a good old nap, right? Like, I just want to, God taking a nap? You know, like, he just shows his humanity. He's just, I don't know if he's snoring or not, but I'm just picturing that he is. But he's just asleep on the boat, and the disciples go, and they just, you imagine shaking God. Jesus, wake up, we're going to die, right? And Jesus wakes up, and he's like, he's got, I kind of picture him like, you just woke me up? Like, what are you doing? Like, do you not believe me yet? And he walks up to the boat, and he says, peace be still, and the storm completely stops and the clouds roll away and the disciples are looking at each other like maybe he is God this is crazy right can you believe what he just did and Jesus then points to them and says I need you to believe who I am the storm didn't stop because they said the right prayer the storm didn't stop because they recited enough and worked themselves and were great fishermen and showed up to church enough. The reason the storm stopped is because Jesus was in the boat. And the, the way that your life changes and my life changes is when Jesus is in our life. He is the answer. He is the cure. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. It is Jesus, the one that we cling to. It is the, he is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the one that we cling to because it is the only way that we experience salvation. It's the only way that we experience God. And it's not off of what we have done, but what Jesus has done for us. And so I want to pray for us as a church and as we lean into this. And I think about uh, the promise that Jesus is in the boat and the difference is that Jesus was there in the boat. And so my question for you and I is, is Jesus in your life? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Because that's the difference in salvation. That's what separates Christianity from all other aspects of life and whatever it may be and God is not a God of confusion and he's not trying to trick us or hide behind a cloud of mist no he steps forward and he says I'm right here there's only one way just come follow me come to me in fact I've even taken your place all that I ask is that you turn from missing the mark right where that revelation I've missed the mark I'm living in sin I'm turning from that and I'm placing my faith my belief in Jesus and when I place my faith in him it's not that I'm just saying I believe in him right but it's me reorienting my life of going you are my Lord you are my Savior right like faith without works is dead right he's like if I truly believe then my life is going to follow that belief my life 
He's going to follow that belief. And, the, and God even says in John chapter 3 that we're born again. We become spiritually alive in Christ. That only happens through Christ. And so I want to pray for us here today. And if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I'd love to give you this moment right now uh, to pray and ask God to have this heart posture of what we just talked about and ask God to save you right now, uh, to start a relationship with Him. I believe it's the greatest thing that we can do in our lives. Dear Heavenly Father, you can pray something like this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I know that I've missed the mark. God, I, I believe that I'm living a life of sin. God, I believe that you can save me. I believe that you are God. I believe that you rose again and ask that you would save me, God, and continue to change me. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer here today, there's a Connect card in your seats. I'd love for you to fill one of those out. Stop by the Connect Center, our team. We would love to pray with you. You're not meant to take this journey alone. Uh, we, uh, I'm not supposed to do announcements right now. We're supposed to do communion. But we're also having baptism coming up in a few weeks. And that's our next step after salvation. And so we want to celebrate with you. We want to celebrate what God has done. But for the rest of us as a church, we're going to take communion together. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.